Good day to you all, and welcome to Generation Tech. I'm Todd Brinker. I'm joined, as always, by my dad, Jack Brinker. How you doing today, Dad? Doing good, Todd. On Ready this to fine Monday as we record. Yeah. Talk about all the new technologies, yeah. if not new modified things or whatever. Yeah. The stuff. Yeah. We're going to talk about the stuff. The That's stuff. the technical yeah. term. It's, it's, yeah. It's, a, it's, a, <laughs> yeah, it's an industry term. The stuff. So, yeah. hey, before we get into that, I just want to uh, wish a good luck and happy voting to the uh, educators and the Rialto Education Association. My brother is running for president of his uh, teachers union. And I, as I understand it, the uh, election starts this Wednesday and it'll go on for uh, like 10 days or so. So we won't even know the, the results um, next week. But, uh, um, uh you know, it's it's always an exciting time and a nerve wracking time when you're you know seeking the approval of others. You know, people. Any, if you've never run for any position in your life, you don't understand how stressful that can be. Well, um, Tobin, Tobin seems to enjoy it. This is what about his third or fourth. I was going to say he's done it very uh, quite a bit, so he uh, he likes that stress. <laughs> apparently, he finds that whole stressful thing. It, it, you know, I think he does. I think there's a certain rush to it, but there's also the um, you know he just he likes uh serving you know he likes working yeah, he with groups of people he, he likes you know listening to those who have issues and seeing if he can solve them and, th- and make things better and that's just kind of core to who he is you know and, you know uh, when i grew up i took a, a class everybody had to take something called civics which had to do with you know public service and encouraging kids to kind of get that mindset right yeah and and i believe before you, any of you guys went to school, that they had done away with that, at least by name. I don't know what it morphed, morphed into or yeah. it just disappeared. But uh, I, I always think of Tobin as being the student who really took that civics class that I took seriously, you yeah. know. Because he's not a lot of people will go into public service. I think different schools and different states and school districts have different namings for things. In my in my uh, I think it was the junior year was American history, senior year. So as you were turning eighteen, you took a class called government, and that covered you know the Uh, uh, closely how the election process works and how people can get involved. I was taught by a gentleman who was a thousand and five years old. Um, and, and was, a thousand and, year old. That's yes. Methuselah. Yeah. And he, and he loved to lecture and he had a deep, deep resonant voice that never changed tone uh, at all. And so he would talk in this deep, deep voice and you would just fall asleep. Um, one of, one I, of those yeah. memorable guys. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. I just remember him, him, uh, as the election, the first election that the, that this class of, you know, some of 17 and 18 year olds were, was rolling around. This would have been, uh, the election that ultimately Ronald Reagan won, uh, in 1980. He, he stood in front of the class and said, Republicans are for businesses. Democrats are for people. Since you are all people, you should be voting Democrat. That's what he said. Oh, is that right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I love how people try to characterize their opposition. Yeah. You know, we can I can always put somebody in a hole by wow, what we call them, right? Yeah. And I wonder how many people in that classroom, <laughs> A, even remember that, and B, bought into what he was saying. You know, it's like... I don't know. I, I you know, I, par- partially the way that you raised me, partially just the person that I am, I think I tend to question anything anybody ever says to me ever. <laughs> you know, yeah. you, you tell me two plus two is four and I'll go, well, 
in certain instances, you know. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, it's strange. Uh, you know, when people say, I, I think everybody who comes through school sort of has a favorite teacher, you know. Mm-hmm. And very often, at least I think of it, if you pick a favorite to be somebody who's kind of dynamic and, you know, very sociable or whatever. Right. And yet uh, that was not my case. I came through school uh, most impressed by probably one of the most unimpressive persons that I've ever known. Yeah. He was a small, little gray-haired guy who was kind of shy, and but he was in the sciences. And I became a, an engineer because largely because of him. It, Mr. Birdsell was his name, and that mm-hmm. al- almost the name almost describes the kind of personality that he had, you know, uh-huh. he might have loved birds or something, but, uh, it was just because of what he was teaching and I was most interested in it, you know? Right. And, and very few people took his classes. I mean, these were small classes. I like three or four students per were in a, you know, like chemistry class and physics and stuff like that. I, I took all of those kind of things. Mm-hmm. Other students avoided those. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, it's it depends on what your interest is, and yeah. certain things, you know, I think the sciences and the uh, and and like you said, engineering type of things tend to attract people who are curious. You know, yeah. there's a lot of curiosity. Yeah. It's like I want to know how this works. I want to know how this, you know, how this fits together. People who go into things like physics, you know, they they they're I think at the root just curious more than anything else. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like, oh, I figured out how to get answers by educating myself. I learned that educating is how I get answers. So, you know, education and school become something that's very positive for people like that because it's like, well, that helps me solve my, my, you know, itch, which is curiosity. You know, yeah. <laughs> I, I want to know how you, this works. You hit so. the nail on the head. The curiosity happened to me in grade school. Mm-hmm. I, I happened to have won a, what they called a high five player in those days. Actually, it was a turntable. That was a little amplifier in the front of it, the boom box kind of a deal, except it was not portable. And uh-huh. uh, and it had vacuum tubes that I could see kind of through the little mesh for the speaker in, mm-hmm. inside. And, and they uh, warm up and glow. Yeah, and I took, took off the little back panel because there was only four screws. It was kind of difficult, but that was uh, access to that. And uh, while I had it unplugged, took the vacuum tubes out and really wondered. I had to know how a vacuum tube worked. So I went and bought a physics book at a drugstore. Because <laughs> that's where you got your books back then. There was no Amazon. That was it. That was mm-hmm. it. There was no other place. And they, and they just happened to have a physics book that I found that had a section on vacuum tubes. Mm-hmm. And so it was, I was so happy. I loved my little physics book. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I, I was geekish, I guess you'd say. <laughs> yeah, just a bit. Most, most kids were not looking for physics books in their spare time. But, uh, but you know, it, expl- it explained to you how something worked. Probably not in particularly plain English, but, you know, you figure it out and you go to your teacher and ask him to explain parts you don't know and, and you figure it out, right? Nowadays, you yeah, just well, Google it, right? I mean, that's, that's the difference. That's thing. right. Yeah. Honestly, you know, for me, that's the, been the biggest boon of the Internet is just anytime I have a question about anything, I go clickety-clickety-click oh, click, and pop up, and I've got all kinds of wealth of information. And, 
you know, and, and I know a lot of uh, teachers who assign research and stuff say don't use Wikipedia, but that's I always use that as a starting point. And at the bottom of yeah. every Wikipedia page is all the resources that were used to, to create that. So you can go to the actual then resources, you know, and use those. But, you know, you can use Wikipedia to get you started. I used to tell kids yeah. that. I used to teach in a computer lab, and kids would come in there at lunch to start doing their research. And they would always say, oh, we're not allowed to use Wikipedia. And I said, no, you're not allowed to cite Wikipedia. You can use Wikipedia. Here, let me show you how. You know, <laughs> use it. Now, down at the bottom, see all that stuff? That's where all the information is. Go there. You know, Right. Yeah. And some of that's online. But, you know, you can't yeah. expect it all to be. But... No, but lots and lots of it. And virtually everything that, that on your Wikipedia page that is cited is through, you know, studies and abstracts yeah. that are online. And so you can cite those. So. Well, it's, you know, especially the old stuff, because Google took everything that was out of copyright and, and put it into this gigantic library, archival ar uh, library. And I just love that. I don't know if you go in there much, but the, the actual uh, scans and all of that are kind of un unimpressive. They were uh, done when, before scanners really had good quality. But Google's archival library, you oh, can uh -huh. find it just with a Google search. Right, you know? yeah, yeah. And uh, I have found, you know, some really old documents uh, of, of history and everything else. Like current, one of the current ones I was so impressed by that I actually went and bought a book just so I didn't have to read it all online. Right. And it has, it has to do with uh, uh, monks and monasticism back in the first two centuries after Christ mm -hmm. uh, because I what several things attracted me to it number one is that the book includes English interpretations of a whole bunch of papyrus now you know that was the earliest writing mechanisms we had in the world you know and it was still in existence at the time and that's where they still get a lot of ancient history from oh, yeah well that's the from, whole thing of the dead sea scrolls and there's other scrolls that they've been finding in fact recently they found some uh, some that were actually even older you know yeah and it's and yeah. it's you know again it's you know, papyrus is just the yeah. material they were writing on right so they would pound, right. pound yeah, out well, the uh, the reeds yeah. and make something flat to write on scrolls were a monumental advance over papyrus yeah you know, you're writing on a tea leaf basically <laughs> mm -hmm. you know so anyway, I, I was just fascinated by that, and and some one of them even accredited goatskin uh, uh, as the basic uh, text. Somebody had written inside of goatskin on the leather, I guess. Mm -hmm. And and I, there's a word for another word for that, but uh, yeah. I, I by what by the now. way, just just for clarification, many of the scrolls are made out of papyrus. That's how they store papyrus. Papyrus is just, oh, is that the, right? is just the material. Material, yeah. Yeah, it's, the, it's a type of plant that is pounded yeah. out flat and allowed to dry, and then they write on that, and after they've written on it, they roll it up <laughs> to store it. So Yeah. Well, I didn't think it was that big. They must have some way to bond different pieces of papyrus together in order to make a... Uh, I, I thought scrolls basically allowed you to have uh, maybe a six or eight foot long piece of paper that you rolled up just for convenience yeah it's is uh pirate pap papyrus can be ref not only the material but also the uh document written on sheets of such material joined side by side and rolled up into a scroll this is from yeah okay. the font of all knowledge wikipedia 
So yeah, you know, you know, Google has gotten into trouble uh, at trouble at times for some of that stuff because they were basically just taking everything that existed in any written format and scanning it in so they could have it. And right. people started suing them, going, "Wait a minute! You can't just take my book and, and and scan it in because you feel like you want to have a copy of it." But you know, they they basically kept right on doing it. They just said, "Well, if somebody complains enough, then we'll." Yeah. Dump the dump the file, you know. Yeah. Well, and what they were also saying as they were doing it was, you know, uh, and in fact, I think they ended up ultimately winning the court case where they were got, had gotten sued because they said we're not reselling it, we're not, you know, making it, we're not even making um, copyrighted material available to people. We're just taking stuff that uh, you know, we're just making a copy of everything so that we have an archive. It was part of the idea of the Internet Archive, right? So that we yeah. have, have everything, everything that every human has ever written everywhere, anywhere. But, uh, a big part of that is has been made available on the internet. Yeah, well, especially any of the like you said, the ancient things that clearly there's no copyrights yeah. and stuff, and and you know even stuff written by like, um, um, uh, you know, authors uh, in the 1800s, the copyright and uh, has all expired. Well, so you know, unless well, you're Disney, your copyrights expire. So well, let me let me tell you what happened is that there were a lot of people that the translations of that stuff are in fact copyrighted by the translator very often. Mm -hmm. So it might be ancient history, most of it, but somebody compiled it and put it together and put it in a language you understand. Oh, absolutely, because that, that's, that's their work product. That's right. So in, in that sense, you got to be careful about just saying, well, just because mm -hmm. the basic stuff is old, it doesn't mean the whole... But even then, monks monks in the in the you know century after the death of Christ were, probably don't have any existing patents or, or copyrights. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah, no, but you know you know what I mean. They you know they've got yeah. they've got lots of lawyers, and so they're a careful and b uh, protected pretty well. <laughs> yeah, you know, well, big big business gets away with a lot of stuff just because they've amassed yeah. enough money that they 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 buy yeah. their way. Oh yeah, yeah. Through the, yeah, lest Process, lest you, you know? lest you think that they're treated like you know everybody else. Um, you know, Will Smith assaulted a man on television, and thus far has has you know gotten well. His up, come up, a, his come up is an award. Is gonna, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we'll see. His come, you know, we'll see. It, it's in the making. We'll see. <laughs> you know, I I saw an attorney on one of the shows say you know that just because Chris Rock said he doesn't want to press charges doesn't mean that there won't be charges pressed because. While often uh, a prosecutor will, you know, want the victim to say something, uh, you know, to help make their case, when you've got video evidence in front of millions of people, you really don't need them to make the case, you know. So it's, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of up to the prosecutors as to whether or not they think it's something that they should do. I tell you what, if it was you and me had walked up on a stage and smacked somebody, we'd be sitting in a jail cell. Well, uh, <laughs> I'm I'm, cheer, I'm cheering on the legal force to take action. I I yeah. don't believe in this exceptionalism crap, you know. Yeah. Oh no, I I that's the point I'm making. I'm being ironical. Uh, yeah. You know? But the same thing applies to these big companies. It's like they can do things that if you and I tried, we'd be you know shut yeah. down immediately and sued out of existence. And and they just go eh, cost of business. You know, it's like yeah. a, Apple in uh, which which there's a European country, Denmark or something like that, that's been finding them like four and a half million dollars a week, uh, and they can do it for up to ten weeks, so it'd be like forty five, uh, you know, four hundred fifty million dollars total or something like that, uh, hey. because they because of their their, their dating apps uh, have to use the Apple Pay system, and Apple said, okay, fine, we'll just pay the fee. <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, well, I'm going to jump right in with one of your posts uh, here yeah. that about uh, Elon Musk buying 9.2 percent stake in Twitter to become the largest shareholder. I thought that he's was going to turn. Interesting. I, I think he's going to turn that around. He, he he knows that this makes no sense to ban people from uh, public uh, property as important as Twitter. Right. He has also made a couple comments about about um, uh, Twitter and their uh, their competition you know i mean like he says you know free he, he was here's a one of his tweets free speech, speech is essential to the functioning democracy um, yeah and then then he posted a poll that he did saying do you believe twitter rigorous, rigorously adheres to this principle 70 percent of the people said nope <laughs> and so that's right you know so he's going okay fine um you know, another so, one. Given that Twitter serves as a de facto public town square, failing to adhere to free speech principles fundamentally undermines democracy. What should be done? This is a post by yeah. e- Elon. Well, so I think what should be done is I, somebody should buy him up and, and make him make him. And, and I was one of the posters who encouraged that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I read that that text and I yeah. said, "Hey, there's a guy who knows how to use his money in the public interest." Yeah. Now, well, and there's a, you know, uh, somebody else uh, posted a question. Would you consider building a new media platform uh, yeah, one that consists that, that, of, you know, free open stuff? And he says, I'm giving it serious thought. I think at the same time, he's simultaneously saying, but if I can just take over this one and fix it, I'll do it. It's already there. Everybody's yep. already there. That's easier. Right. You know, if you've got the means yep. to do it. So. Sure. Yep. Mm-hmm. So I'm 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 glad glad yeah. to read that. Yeah, I posted that because just this weekend I was listening to a um, podcast while I was driving, and they were talking about some of of his posts regarding Twitter and his concern about the the um, restrictions that Twitter is seemingly randomly applying to people. And I say randomly, but they're they're making choices that they want to make as a private business, but you know those inherently have political consequences. And I think he's saying. You know, free speech right. is, should be free for everybody, not for for people that you select. And that, you know, at, at some point you've become a public trust, and so even though you're a private business, you know, you you have to give up some of your. Um, just, just as a benchmark, now that yeah. I've read this, I'm I'm going to be watching for the headline that says Trump is no longer banned from Twitter. Yeah. Until but, I see that, I don't believe it's a public service. So you know. Well, what do so you mean? Tech- it's a public service. It's 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 never pretended to be a quote public service. It's just it's a it's a free speech advocate. So right. I'm, I'm saying free speech that includes Trump. And oh so- well, yeah, it, it 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 includes you know pretty much everybody. Now there are no um, you know we do have some restrictions. You know they always say the classic one: you're not supposed to shout fire in a in a crowded theater, right? You know. Oh there, yeah. There yeah. are th- certain things where you could you could you could demonstrably say that you know. Certain speeches sh- should be limited, but that doesn't mean that you you block that person. It means you block that that text or that call for text. action that could cause, you know, or that tweet, right. tweet rather, right? You know, so there's other ways yep. to approach it. Um, but uh, anyway, yeah, it's it's interesting to see Elon um, getting well. What he what he's really done is he's undercut the Trump web website, which is trying to grow now, and it's going to have a tough time. If, if he really means what he says here. Yeah. Yeah. If he forces, you know, if he forces Twitter to, to, you know, adhere to an open policy, then, then that, you know, people will stay, stay where they are. It's easier to stay where you are than it is to, to, uh, yep. you know, try to induce people to go log, log in and sign in somewhere else as every service, you know, 
that's ever well, tried to and, compete against some of the big boys has learned. Although that said, you know, Facebook knocked out MySpace, which was the dominant place online before yeah. Facebook came along. So it's not like it can't happen. Well, yeah, that, that, there are the normal competitive uh, kinds of things you've got to do. You know, you want to yeah. be number one. But yeah. the fact is, is if, if you are number one, then now there's other things you have to abide by. And one is not monopolizing the communication space. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like I said, I think you at know? some point at some point you have to say that that, you know, you as a company have become a public trust. And as, yeah. as a result, then the rules apply to you differently, you know? Yep. And, absolutely. And, you know, we need to define as a as a as a country what that means to us and then figure out how to apply it because you know when you've got x amount of the population like you know i mean for example you know trump has his his new service that he's trying to push but there is probably 50 percent of the people roughly given a political split in the country who would never ever join that just because it's got his name on it and so that's right that's so, right so that means and it's, it's by, def division. by definition yeah. it's never going to be a public trust because it is it is you know only going to be appealing to uh you know a portion of the population but you at know. least it doesn't limit his uh people from communicating right you know, but what which it does is what's is important. It, it, but what it does is it si silos by ideology which makes i think yeah. that's that's a uh, ultimate negative consequence for the com country um you know you need to hear people you disagree with even if it makes you angry you need to do it you have yeah. to, yeah. And in fact, if you're not listening to people who disagree with you, then you're not doing your job as a citizen going out and finding out what's going on. Because right. if if everything you listen to is something you agree with, then you're not really educating yourself. You're not being curious. You're just being programmed. Right. So. so. Anyway. Uh, programming the the uh, the soft squishy computers in between our ears. So. <laughs> So we got other stuff. You've got some things going on here. Um, you posted a couple things about laser or uh, laser projectors. Tell me about laser projectors. Well, I got uh, kind of excited when I read this. You know, we've had laser projectors for TVs and all, and they've they've never really taken off. And it's largely has just to do with the quality of what you're looking at. You know, mm -hmm. uh, but now that has been one one of big issues has been the brightness. You know. Uh, they can yeah. they can clearly put as many pixels up there as you really need for large screens, right? Because of the the chip advancements, but to have this ability to uh, by using lasers now they don't say anything about safety there, which is the first thing that comes to my mind when they say lasers, because you're talking about lots of lots of power and people who accidentally look into a laser can blind themselves yeah. for life. Yeah, that's why there's you know? all those Adam, uh, uh, you know, uh, so. rules against shining laser pointers up at airplanes, right? Right, right. But nevertheless, there's uh, for uh, there's on sale now this new device that has a laser projector that's very bright. Mm -hmm. So brightness is no longer an issue. Now, it, you know, you still have to have though, uh, if you uh, a wall space, it's however big it is you yeah. want it to be. But you can avoid the safety issues if you mount this somewhere on a ceiling or a wall, wherever you want it. You know. But yeah, I mean, see. somebody could still walk up to where you're projecting it, turn around and look back, though. So you got to be careful. But realize that that when we say lasers, these are still pretty low power lasers. I mean, they're brighter than LED, right. but they're not, you know, not burning a hole in your not, wall. Not, yeah, not the kind you cut sheet steel with, you know. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I will say something so. about all projectors, and this is something that I think that you know. 
I think projectors are a perfectly good way of putting an image up onto a wall. But realistically, if you want the best quality image doing that, you really need to put a, a proper screen just using the white painted wall, which is usually an off-white, which then changes all the colors behind it, is not a great solution. You really need a projector screen because uh, that is A, a very neutral white, and B, usually covered with some... Um, uh, like a crystalline type of uh, material that then gives you a uh, uh, yes. more luminance when the projector and, hits it. And and what I'll say about that is I can't give you a brand name, but I saw somewhere where somebody now has a paint. And if you have a home theater, right. you paint your wall you're going to project it on so you don't have to pull down the screen and yeah. spend and your money on that. That's been around it's for like, a while. It's, you know, I, I don't know, I can't grade the performance because I've never done them side by side, right. but it sounds like a pretty reasonable solution because it has that stuff embedded in it, little glass beads and whatever Yeah. Uh, that give you the, the uh, reflection. Right. So I, I suspect that a painted surface would be just fine for most uh, It will, walls. but the other thing you've got to be aware of too is that um, it's not uncommon for home walls to have texture on them, which will also look weird. So you probably want to make sure that you have a, a smooth smooth surface uh, then with that, you know, with that uh, luminescent type paint. You know, there's all I'm saying is right, it's, it's right. more than just taking a projector and shining it on your wall and thinking that you're going to get a super high quality image because, you know, all those things detract from it um, unless you, yeah. you know, go a little further. But if you're spending, you know, what is this thing? It's regularly they say 600 bucks are selling it for four, four twenty nine, um, you know, and and this is an affiliate link. So this is an article written in Macworld that brings this up that's trying to sell this thing. So they're not going to tell you anything yeah. about it that that is negative. So we're just trying to say. The projector by itself is probably not enough. You know, you yeah. probably, in fact, uh, the picture that they show, they show it shining on a wall that literally has like like stripes on it, like wooden um, uh, decorative things there. And of course, those are all, yeah. they, they show those in the shadow behind the picture, but they don't show it on the picture, which is exactly what you would see is it on the picture, unless they've got some sort of screen hanging in front of the wall, which they don't say, but it kind of looks like that's what they're doing. Frankly, I think yeah. that picture is completely faked. I think it's all knocked up that that's not an actual projection <laughs> of the image. Well, uh, the real key behind this is it's small and it's meant to be portable. Most people would say, well, why do I even want to take projector with me? Right. Well, businessmen do because they don't always have projectors where they want to be. Right. You know, they... Or one that works with their device. You know, you get to an office, right. somebody's, you know, meeting room, and then you spend an hour trying to get your computer to hook up to their dumb projector so you can do it if you've got one that you know works in your pocket. Yeah. So, uh, you know, portability is is something that's uh, important to some people. But, yeah. You know, generally, if you if you have a home theater, you don't really care. You know, you don't want it really big either, but or or hot. It used to be projectors, of course, had, had this heat problem because they had this massive bulb in there to get you know some brightness. Uh, now with the laser, that's that's a cool operation, basically solid state. It's mm -hmm. not totally cool, but it I, I, nowhere compared to what the uh, the old bulb kind of things used to be. Yeah. So no, they've anyway, gotten better. At the, at the sale price of it, I I've been kind of interested in having a larger TV. Yeah. But I didn't really want to buy one of these really large screen sets because number one, they're expensive, a lot more expensive than this thing, you know, uh, for you can get less a than $500. You can, you can get a 75 inch for 750 bucks now. 
well, that's about what this is or less yeah. now on sale. And uh, yeah, and but by the time you buy a screen to put behind it, or well, the paint I guess might work better, but I would certainly not paint my wall till I knew I was happy with this. Just as a quick right. FYI, this says it's 600 lumens. You can go buy a ViewSonic projector with 3,200 lumens on Amazon. Now it's 900 bucks, but um, significantly brighter, and so uh, you know, in a light room um, or a dark a room that's not fully darkened. Um, that may be an issue. I found uh, one here that's uh, uh, 9,500 lux, which is a different scale than lumens. So you know you got to figure out what the conversion yeah. is for that. But so the idea of 600 lumens is not super bright compared to some other projectors. Right. So just be aware uh, when you're shopping for those things. But these are also larger projectors. They're not the micro one. But if you're using it at home, I don't know that you care. Yeah, well, and, and the other part of it is is that you've got to kind of know how far back the projector really needs to be from the wall. Right. There are some, okay, some that are designed to, to be, angles. yeah, some are designed to be very short throw and can sit like a foot from the wall and project up onto the wall. And they do all the adjusting to make sure that, you know, it doesn't like fan out and look wonky. Others have to be back, you know, 10 or 15 feet. So, right. You know, and, and is it a room with lots of windows and all this kind of thing? Now, one of the pluses of projecting onto a wall, typically, is you don't have this glass that reflects everything behind you. And, you know, you could yeah. not, with a television, have windows behind the screen. That, that's the worst arrangement. You'd, yeah. you'd have yeah. the windows that off one side or something. A huge drawback of, of, of glass uh, panels. In fact, that's why um, Samsung came out with a whole series of curved glass panels to try to minimize the amount of reflection because any flat screen is going to pick up light coming from lamps and, and windows and, and can make your viewing experience significantly less enjoyable. Do you really believe the curved screen adds any uh, solution to that? It seems to me it makes it worse. It just moves the the, the hot spot of the reflection to a kind of different area. Uh, a, di a, different, a different part of the screen. In right, fact, you yeah. You get more attraction to lights from coming even from the side now yep so it, it almost makes it impossible if i had a curved screen i wouldn't yeah. want any windows in the, yeah or lamps in the room that, you know? that was the pitch like i said i don't know that that was successful you know something that i do not see anywhere in this article is what's the resolution because again just looking at competitors online most projectors that they're selling are 1080p but there are some 4k and if you're projecting that big you really want 4k yeah uh, oh, I expect it uh, that be large, but you're right. It, it, you need to dig into it. I, you know, yeah. I haven't done anything other, other than look at this article. It's, right. I'm just saying, looking at this, there's like uh, some some information missing here, because. Um, well, that's I, I wouldn't for want large screens. I, yeah, you know, I, I wouldn't want anything that's going to go up to 120 inches. Is what they're saying this thing will do, without absolutely. Uh, I'd say 5K or, or more. Yeah, but but the the media that you're going to play is only going to be 4K. Okay, so I I clicked yeah, I on the right, yeah. I clicked on the link for the Macworld shop where it goes, and here it says it's 300 lumens, not 600, which is interesting. Um, and its resolution is 1080p. So, oh, yeah. So I that's, that's not this one I wouldn't get unless I was going to knew that I was going to be projecting smaller. But if I'm going to be projecting smaller, then I think televisions make more sense. But, uh, yeah, they shouldn't. They, they shouldn't have said 120 inches. Then yeah. at the same within the same article. 
Yeah, a 1080, 1080p at 120 inches, you're going to be looking at a lot of dots. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, you definitely so. have to go to a 4K. That said, uh, there's a um, – uh, you can do searching on Apple. Five, uh, 5G Wi-Fi Bluetooth projector, uh, 4K supported, full HD native, native 1080p. Okay, so it says 4K supported. See, there's tricky language, meaning it'll convert the 4K to 1080p and project it for you. Yeah, who cares? Exactly, <laughs> exactly. You want real 4K. Uh, yeah, native 1080p 4K yeah. projector. You've got to be real careful about how they – because those marketing people will make it sound, yeah, 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 we can, we can, you can play 4K images on this. We won't project it in 4K, but you can – yeah. Right. And there's a whole bunch of them that way. If you want actual 4K, like here's a, a 4K-supported movie projector, uh, 1,600 ANSI lumens, so significantly brighter, but it's $1,000. Uh-huh. Yeah, but it supports HDR plus Dolby um, uh, 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 yeah, Dolby HDR and, uh, and audio, Dolby audio out of it. Um, so, you know, if you really want the theater experience, it's, it's more than a few hundred bucks. You know, a few years yep. back, I got a couple of small projectors. My daughters asked for them, so I got them each a projector. I don't know how often they use it. I know I know they have used it. And they can project it like um, on they they like the idea of projecting on the ceilings. So you could put a movie up on the ceiling and then you know lay down on the floor and watch the movie up. In the you know, room. I think that's a good idea. I like that idea. We have a clock, and I, mm-hmm. especially the clock is important because if you wake up in the middle of the night, oh, the you alarm. like to know what time yeah. it is. Yeah. And I don't even have to, I don't even, I have a, a watch on my hand most nights. Yeah. But I don't even look at it. I just look on the ceiling. It's yeah. Easier. Yeah, it's there. Yeah, we have one in our room too. My wife's uh, bedroom clock projects up onto the ceiling we have two clocks in our bedroom though because she likes to set her clock 20 minutes ahead drives me batty and so <laughs> so yeah exactly that's my feeling it's like it doesn't make any sense but that works for her that's what she wants and so the the time that's projected on the wall is always 20 minutes fast or up on the ceiling so i see it but then i have to do the math in my head to, to know what time it really is or i could roll over and see my clock which is on my side of the bed which has my alarm on it which is right. She, she, she's a math teacher. Yeah. She's a math teacher, Todd. She likes to solve problems. I guess. I guess. You know, to each their own. You know what I actually use for yeah. a, a bedside clock now? I have an app that I run on a, I have an old, I think it's a version three of the uh, iPad mini. And I've got it set up in a, um, like a, uh, you know, teepee style so that it's nice and solid. And it sits next to my bed. And it just runs this clock app, and it uses the uh, light, uh, the amount of light in the room, to adjust the brightness or darkness of the mm-hmm. uh, of the screen, so that it, during the day it's bright enough to read, but at night it dims way down, so it's not blinding you. Uh, it tell it automatically syncs to the time, and you know, like all iPads and iPhones do, it uh, it gets uh, like it has little icons that tells you what the weather is. You can tap on it if you want to get more detailed weather, but when you wake up, it shows you that. But I don't have uh-huh. any alarms. That just sits there. My alarm is actually um, a, uh, a HomePod that just comes on. You can set alarms on your HomePod if you didn't know that, and it sits yeah. there. And it just comes on and plays plays music at a certain time every morning. And, when, yeah. and so I say, hey, Shlomo, stop, and it'll that shuts it off every morning. Yeah. 
So anyway, uh, I noticed that I sent you this one on some a different address, I guess, because it came up with a different wasn't in the same group of uh, of uh, my previous postings that I was, thought I was sending them at the same time. That's kind of odd. What's the next one? Well, there's nothing else on the one that one uh, on the laser projector. Oh, you sent the laser projector twice. You sent it once uh, in the group to or once to me, and then you sent it once in a group with me and Brian, my brother-in-law. Oh, that's what it is. Yeah, I did. You're right. I sent. I added Brian. That's why it's there. Yeah. So go back to the conversation with just you and me, and oh. then, and then you'll see the next thing up is iPhone's game controller concept. So they've got a game controller that is going to snap onto the end of an iPhone, huh? I don't see what's so wild about that. There's people who are already doing things like that. In fact, it fits pretty much right in with like what uh, Nintendo is doing with the Nintendo. Uh, well, switch. This this is not a product, first of all. Right. This is a guess. It's it's just that somebody looked at the uh, patents or whatever, you know, or, mm-hmm. and uh, noticed that they had this out. So maybe they're going to get serious about the game gaming business. Is some basic message of the thing, right. and one because one of those things is this magnetically attachable gaming accessory. <laughs> yeah. Hey, they've got MagSafe. They snap things on using MagSafe. Imagine that. That's right. Yeah, no, but but the idea of snapping the controller onto either side of or or across the back of and then showing up on either side of your iPhone um, doesn't seem odd at all. In fact, there's other companies that have already done that. Um, Yeah, I I, I was going to say the only reason that I posted it, I wouldn't have posted this at all except that I had posted the thing regarding the uh, – display uh thing that we just talked about yeah and this this apparently includes the ability to uh project the game onto something so somebody thought that Uh that would be a part of the gaming system so you can kind of carry your game into your your own room or what or you know whatever with with you and you like you don't have to have a display there are you familiar with the nintendo switch how it's no i'm not so it has a the, – the base machine is basically a screen, iPad-like, and it snaps into a uh, charging cradle that is its base station, and then it, it's attached to the TV, and you can play it like you would a video game, you know, traditionally with controllers and attached to your TV. But you pull the screen out and snap the little handles onto the side of it, and now it's a portable gaming system, and you take it with you. And that's been uh. their number one selling device now for a couple of years. And in fact, literally at the end of this article, I have a whole bunch of today's best Nintendo Switch deals ads running. So, so obviously, uh, the advertising system thinks that this is very yeah. much Nintendo Switch like. You know, it's like, hey, this is something that maybe will happen, but here's something you can buy right now. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. For three hundred dollars is the cheapest, or no, seventy nine dollars down here. Uh, well, that's, well, that's probably, the that's, Joy-Con pair. Yeah, that's the. That's not the Switch. Right, the switch is about. That's not the switch. Yeah, the the switch is three hundred to three hundred and fifty bucks, depending on which model you buy. They've got a newer one with a slightly larger OLED screen on it, but uh, yeah, you know, and that's still one of those things that you, you you've got to watch when they have it in stock because it's been selling so well for them several years in. They don't always have them uh-huh. in stock. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's the console gaming is is quite a thing, but you know, I'm not enough of a gamer that I would ever buy a a purpose-built console gaming system, I don't think. Um, 
you know, that's what never you, say put, never, you, you buy for your kids so that they can go off in their own room and play it. <laughs> so I don't disrupt everything you're doing on the television. The, ma- or the majority of the PlayStations <laughs> and and Xboxes that are sold are sold to adults who play who who grew up gaming and that's their form of entertainment. They don't sit and watch TV. They don't watch movies. When they get off work, they come home, they have dinner, and then they sit down and, their they, games. and they play games for a while. It's interactive. Yeah. They've got friends who come online about that same time, and they all put on their headsets so they can talk to each other virtually. And, uh, and Heidi, your, your, sis, your sister's Heidi's kids had this thing that was in the, well, the basement, which is where we got to sleep when we came up there. And so the television down there was a big screen, and it had the games all set up on it. So yeah. during the day, then the kids would come down there and play the games, and they, were, they got us involved there, yeah. uh, a couple times. No, that's so what, a, uh, I understand that. That's what uh, your youngest grandkids do too. Both of them, they they've got uh, you know their game system set up, and right, and uh, that's how they spend. You know that that's a generation that, you know, I was after me. So, um, you know, there were a lot mm-hmm. of people my age who game, and and a fair number of people my age who who when as gaming progressed switched to playing that way. Uh, you know, playing on on better console games and stuff. For me, it was always curiosity about where the technology is. But once I've kind of seen the screens and see how it works, I have no interest in actually playing the game. That's that's always been my attitude toward games because yeah. games required a more capable technology. So I was interested to see how how it was pushing technology. Yeah. You know. Yeah. No, I remember buying one uh, a game that was like fifty bucks um, years ago, and you know first when they first hit that price you know and it was so you know in today's dollars that was a lot of money i bought the game played it for you know an hour or so the night that i bought it and then i think i gave it to tobin um my brother and he played it all the way to the end you know but i I played it enough to see that yeah the graphics you know it had gotten all these great reviews about how the graphics were just like the the best that we'd ever seen and so i wanted to see it firsthand so i did and it was like yeah Yeah. it's cool what was the first game you ever played pong Really? Well, well, the first video game, you mean? Commercial game. No, I was talking about before that when they had just computers, home computers. Oh, I don't well, the know first one was the, it was the, it was the Hang- Moonlander. Hangman. Oh, Moonlander and Hangman, right? Yeah, Moonlander's the first one I remember. That was uh, loading the. It took 20 minutes to get the game up and going because you had to load it via the paper tape on the teletype right. that you had in the <laughs> living room on an Altar 8800. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And you had X amount of fuel. And you were moving at X velocity towards the moon, and you had to use your fuel to not crash. <laughs> and, 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 it, and it did not have a video on it. it no. It, it, uh, you got readings of altitude reading. and velocity. Right. And, and then you would say, you know, burn fuel for X number of seconds, and then it would give you your new altitude and velocity. If you gave it too much fuel, then your velocity would go positive instead of negative, which means you're going away from the Back moon. up, yeah. And, and, you, and if you did that, you were dead because you're going to run out of fuel before you, you could get yourself down. And, Very often what and happens – And, of course, it lets you – Go ahead. It lets you know when you crash, too. That oh, yeah, yeah, deal, you know? yeah, yeah, which is what happened <laughs> most of the time until you sort of figured it out. So, But once you kind of got the hang of it, then the game was, well, how many – you know, how few moves can you take and still get yourself down to the planet, right? So – Right. So, you know, let yourself free fall for X amount, then give it X amount of thrust and see if you could get it down to just a couple moves where you would basically be at zero velocity uh, and zero altitude. Yeah, that that was the day when basically you built uh, the uh, uh, equations that you had to deal with that, that allowed you to 
you know, you had to model in, internally, you were modeling the space, and then you had to decide what the user interface looked like in order to control that model. That's basically what games were. Yeah. So you had two challenges. Now, of course, that all now grown to where most of the emphasis has to do with what does your scene on the screen look like, you know, and how many uh, fighters can you include without running out of horsepower? <laughs> of course, today it's almost impossible to run out of horsepower. Yeah. Uh, so quite, quite interesting to see how it's evolved based on the technologies that are available at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the, the graphics have gotten better and better and they abstract you further and further from the algorithm. Yeah. Know, to make it more and, and more interesting and, and more interesting. And the more first, first, the first thing that was important to the gamers though, was to get away from the keyboard controller to a real game controller. Yeah. That, that was pretty early in the development. Although there are still people who don't play on the consoles who are, are gaming or are, are computer gaming people. And yeah. they not only still use keyboards, but they're very specific. They don't use the keyboards you and I use. They want the mechanical keyboards with solid switches in them because they're faster mm -hmm. and more durable. And, and so they, you know, there's a whole group of people out there that use special, specially designed gaming mice and gaming keyboards. And in fact, you've even got an article about mice that talks about them. You, you had <laughs> found the thing called the real yeah. magic mouse is made by Logitech, not Apple. The basic complaint yeah. being that Apple's magic mouse still requires that you flip the mouse upside down like a, like a, a cockroach with its legs <laughs> in the air to charge it. And then you can't yeah. use it while it's charging. And, you that's know, right. that's, that's kind of irritating. Whereas Logitech has three different mice that work with a specific wireless mouse pad that the mouse pad is plugged in, and then it does inductive charging to the mouse. So you never have to charge your mouse if you're using that mouse pad and one of those three mice. So That's right, yeah. Which is pretty cool. So, um, it's it's I actually use a Logitech mouse, but the Logitech mouse that I use is not one of the three, and I don't know that I want to change because they don't look like they're as good as the one I've got for the for my use. But they've got uh, the, the point is that they're all gaming mice, so they're very lightweight, so you can move quickly. No, no that's hesitation. A, that's the. I think Logitech has really been a valuable company that's pushed Apple along the way. Oh yeah. Because uh, uh, I have a, one of their keyboards that I still use, and yeah. I think it's really neat. You know. Yeah. No, they they uh, so. are the the standard when it comes to quality mice and quality keyboards in a lot of ways. Um, now that you know, in the gaming world, they're not the ones you go to for keyboards for the most part. They make a gaming keyboard, but there's some other ones that I think people would say are their preference. But they're certainly in that arena. Yeah. But they also make yeah. lots of different types of Bluetooth keyboards, Bluetooth keyboards that can attach to multiple devices. So you can have one keyboard and flip back and forth between, you know, your iPad and your computer and your whatever, um, which is pretty cool. The mouse that I have actually supports three different connections if I wanted it to. Um, but uh, the idea that, you, that your mouse would automatically charge just by virtue of sitting on top of... Uh, you know the pad by sliding this little puck in instead of a you know a battery connection. I think is just that. that yeah. Charge. You know, I, I I've thought that the toy makers of the world could take advantage of this thing that we call my computer controllers mice. You know, mm -hmm. and 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 have have some fun with it, uh, like uh, you know charge charging your mouse. You know, 
there's a charged up mouse and he goes, you know, runs across the floor pretty quack fast or something. Yeah. I, I just had, you know, imagination of what yeah. we could, could do, uh, sell something. Well, years ago, I, I saw somebody who made a computer mouse that looked like a real mouse. I mean, it had looked like, you know, they made it like a stuffed toy. So it was fuzzy with ears and had a head. You know, it was yeah. like you'd tap on the head when you wanted to click. And, you know, it yeah. Like, well, like, for uh, years, uh, Disney has captured, captivated the world with their mice, you know. Oh, now, yeah. They're a totally different kind of mouse, but uh, it's a. It's a a lot, lot of different uses for that term. Yeah, well, you know, and, Disney's and yet, messed up the entire copyright system in order to maintain their mouse. Yeah, and, <laughs> and, and, and anyway, of course, the real mouse, you know, if you had one of those in your house, you, the lady's got to jump on the chair and say, eek. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, That's the a, way it happened in the cartoons. Right. <laughs> uh I came anyway. home from work one time, and uh, and my family was all like sitting at the table, at the dining room table, and they they came in and they looked at me, and then they all looked over towards the refrigerator and said, "You need to take care of that." And I was like, "What?" Uh, and there was a, a like, dead mouse. Huh? No, a Tupperware uh, bowl over the oh. top of a mouse that they threw the bowl over and captured it, but nobody would do anything with it. I said, "Well, how long has that mouse been sitting under there?" I don't know, an hour or so. Get it out of here. You know, so I went, I went and got him some cheese. (laughs) No, I just went and got like a, it was like a uh, cardboard thing and slid it underneath there and then took it outside and let the mouse go. You know, it's like, I mean, I don't mind catching a mouse in a trap and dealing with it, but once I've caught him live, I'm not going to kill him. I just let him go. Just put him back outside where he belongs. Yeah. You know. We're okay with you as long as you have you have your own environment. Exactly. Leave us alone. There know? are boundaries, you know. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Um, so. So. Yeah. Uh, one thought, of the things. One ahead. of the things I, I thought about too in this regard is when you talk about the mouse that charges for the cord going in the bottom, it wouldn't have been that hard for Apple to have created a port so that they could have said. Hey, we got, we return we returned to a mouse with a tail. In other words, so you could really still use it. It right. just came out the back, right? Yeah, which is what that Logitech was... has done with their mice for quite a while. But yeah, you know, I think that design all you know, it's it's a pretty old design at this point. It's been around a long time, and that was one of those things that was sort of a Johnny Ive thing that we've. And I don't know if it was him particularly, but he was the guy in charge, so we we blame him for for doing some. Um, you know, form over function designs for a while. Apple went through a yeah. stage where they were trying to make things fit a design aesthetic, even if they didn't work very well. And this is an example of that, where they wanted that mouse to be perfectly thin and, you know, have the aluminum sides wrap up around either side and then the sort of glass top be one piece that went from the surface of the desk all the way to the surface of the desk in the back. And, uh, you know, it, it, that doesn't work if you lift it up you know, uh, an eighth of an inch in order to give us a space where we could plug in the cord, which, you know, you and I can say that's silly, but they made a decision. And I'm surprised that they haven't changed it. You know, they don't have to make a big deal about it. Just change it. Exactly what we just said. Just lift up the front an eighth of an inch enough to take that dumb charging port and put it on the front of the mouse so that you could use it plugged in if you needed to. Yeah. You know, and we're not the first and we're not the only ones who have said that. I mean, this is something that's been talked about almost since the introduction of that mouse, because everybody said, you've got to be kidding me. You've got to flip that thing (laughs) over to charge it. That's stupid. You know, Uh, 
And like I said, you can point to any number of rechargeable mice by Logitech and other companies where they do exactly that. The front edge of the mouse, which when you're using it, you don't see anyway because it's pointed away from you towards the screen. That's right. where that's where the charging port is so that you can plug it in and, and charge it while you're using it if you need to. Yep. yep. So anyway, uh, I, I, I thought this was a, a, a good dig at Apple's stupid mouse charging mechanism. Yeah, the only, my only Just, complaint about this whole thing is is that how come every Logitech mouse does or doesn't isn't automatically compatible with this? When they designed this, it shouldn't be the the three or five mice that they've selected right. that work. Every mouse they make should have the option of adding this mouse pad to it. Yeah, yeah, I, I think you're right. Uh, you know. But it's uh, the other important thing is uh, this might be applicable to you. Also, it doesn't work on metal desks. Right. It's not applicable to me. Why would I have a metal desk? You know the desks that I have. Well, that old <laughs> desk that you oh wait a minute that was a wooden top desk. Yeah, but the, it's, but it's the old military desks, desks were mine's, a piece, mine, of mine's piece of an, linoleum on top. You know, mine's an old mine's an older wooden uh, military that, that, desk that predates that was, the metal desks. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> this was probably pre World War II circa desk. <laughs> that's right. World War II they had the metal desks. This was this was uh, pre World War II I think. Anyway, but it's a it's a hundred percent wooden military desk that you refinished. Um, yeah. That said, that's not my general working surface because it actually sits a little too high for typing and stuff. So I have a and it, and, it, and it was a perfect surface to lay anything that anybody brought into your office on. You know, yeah, lay there, it on, right? there is that downside of yeah, it seems <laughs> to collect piles of stuff. I tell you, the solution to that is move your office out of the house. I've solved yeah. that problem. Yeah, uh, you're right. So, so no, no handy door to hide well, behind. Well, let me rephrase that. I didn't solve the problem. I've just now solved the problem of who piled the stuff on the desk because it's me. <laughs> I still pile stuff on the desk. Of uh, course, it's just now I can't blame anybody because it's me. Uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, the you know that desk is still a beautiful desk. I like it a lot, but it's big, all wood. And it's desktop height, which is not really great typing height. So across, uh, it, it basically faces across from a countertop that I put across one end of my, my shack out back studio. That is, that, that countertop sits at typing height. So Do you recall, I think when I first is. got it, I did a, put an antique paint on it. Green, kind of an antique-ish. Or am I thinking of something else? But, but then I decided, oh, why did I do that and, and took a, a remover and could, got rid of it all and sanded it down? And, I don't think and, this is the one thing that you – I remember you doing that, but I don't think the desk was the thing that you antiqued green. I remember that color, huh. and I remember what – but I think it was on a, a different piece of furniture. and then Maybe that was a chest or something. Yeah, that, that's kind of what I seem to remember. And then uh, you decided that was a mistake, and so you took it off. That's right. And sanded yeah. it back down and refinished do you ha Do you have that chest? Uh, no, I refinished the chest. My brother was going to come do it at my house to give it to his daughter, and uh, he left it at my house. So he worked on it for like one afternoon, but my wife and I worked on it over the course of two weeks and got it completely sanded down and refinished. And I bought some new cedar and redid the legs on it so that it sits right. And then it was given to mm. uh, Reagan um, uh, for wedding engagement, something like that. So, oh, uh, so yeah. she, she has that, that, that cedar chest. That's the one. I don't think it had any cedar in it, but whatever. No, it was actually made out oh, of cedar. Oh, I'm sorry. You're right. That that I'm, I was mixing them up. You're yeah. right. 
Yeah, that one was. I was I was out there when we first started to sand it and try to you know make it better. Yeah. So. Yeah, that that one originated uh, in Mom's uncle built that as a high school project. Yeah. And gave it gave it to uh, his mom, and then uh, Sue's mom got it somehow when he died, I guess. Yeah. So uh, anyway, what we ended up doing, this was uh, Elaine's suggestion, is she had mom write the story, the history of that. And That's then, right. And, and so she hand wrote it out, and then we, we uh, actually varnished that on. We stuck it onto the inside of the top. So when you lift it up, there's the story of the chest. Ah, okay. That's good. Handwritten by her. Yeah, because so. it's been, been, in, been in a couple generations uh, before. Yeah, so as it gets handed down, the the story will stay with it. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yep. So. Anyway, I had a couple old high school projects uh, that uh, I made some lamps that are still around somewhere. I don't, I don't remember. I you remember those? I do remember the lamps. I don't know that they're still around. I think when you guys moved out and uh, were on the road that they may be. Did, got lost or did, sold well, or something. Well, I think that yeah, I think you guys donated them to the church for a um, for their uh, you know rummage sale that the church did because I don't think any any of your kids want. I mean, you know, the history was cool, but they didn't really fit our fit our decor. Right. Well, the other thing that made them look uh, not so good is there were uh, inlaid leather on either side, and right. the leather itself dried out. Yeah. And it didn't look very attractive. Yeah. So. Yeah, the basic idea was cool, but they they would look great in like a mid-century modern house because that was sort of the design of the lamp with the wood and the the kind of yeah. a- angled tower thing that they you know they they were interesting, right. but none of us had a house that was designed yep. that way. So I you know at least I don't know unless and, unless and, one and of they, my siblings has them that I'm not aware of. And they were heavy because they were made of oak. Yeah. And, and and that only happened because my dad at, went to a farm auction somewhere and somebody had a whole bunch of boards uh, that were solid oak, never used, fresh, you know, mm-hmm. cut and dried wood. Yeah. And except for in a few cases, some, some of them got wet, you know, and turned yeah. dark or whatever. But we he brought them home and I mean, it was like a half a truckload. Yeah. And he didn't pay hardly anything for him. It was just like free wood, yeah. you know? Yeah, you get some and, nice lumber. It's like, yeah, I'll take it. Yeah. Well, and he had several sons who were taking shop classes, you know, in school. And so whatever you wanted to make, just make it out of oak. You know? Yeah. That was yeah. The only... <laughs> here's, here's your options because I'm not buying wood. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. So you've got an article here. It says iPhone how to prepare your iPhone for emergencies. Set your device up to save your life. Well, there are several interesting, interesting things in that article. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, you know, not, none of them necessarily really critical. Uh, the first one is just create a medical ID that you basically mm-hmm. you can see on your phone without it being, you know, having to get into the phone right. itself. It's part of, that, part of the health app. And you're prompted to do yeah. that when you set up an iPhone, when you set up a new phone. Um, but not yeah. that you can skip it. And I think, you know, some people do. If you do, it's probably a mistake, especially if you have any allergies or anything like that. Uh, right. Because emergency responders know how to grab your phone, and there's an option. You may not even notice it, but there's an option there to, to view the medical ID. And so even if the phone is locked, 
they can look at that and see if you have an allergy, if you have uh, a, you know, especially an allergy to any kind of medications or anything that they might give you. Um, but also, um, uh, you know, any other, um, you know, medications that you're taking or anything like that that you take regularly. So they should be aware of that so they can help you and not hurt you. So um, that's, yeah, if you, if you haven't set that up on your phone, you should set that up right away. Um, yeah. and you can do it via the health app or anytime you set up a new phone, they'll prompt you to do that as you go through, but don't skip it. Yeah. Now the, the next one is to activate an SOS on your phone. Uh, anymore, if you have, if you're an old guy like me and you fall and you have a watch, uh, you, it, it has another way of doing that, right. but you can, you can set up your, uh, settings for a thing. So a triple push on the, uh, uh, mm-hmm button or uh, the up volume power. and the power button held together yeah. will also do it for if you have yeah. to hold it for like eight seconds i will tell you that has come back to bite me unknowingly um a few years ago i was visiting you and was driving one of your vehicles not a vehicle i'm used to my phone i don't want to drive with my phone in my hand so i just stuck it in a cup holder i stuck it in upside down it pushed in those two buttons unknowing to me so i'm driving along and suddenly i'm going Hello, 911 operator, what's your emergency? And I'm like, what, what, where's that coming from? You know, and then I realized what it was. Well, it also notified my emergency contacts, which is my wife and my brother, who are the you know nearest family members to me, usually when I'm at home. So they both got a call saying that, you know, Todd's been in an emergency. So I immediately got texts and calls from them while I'm on the phone with an emergency operator trying to figure out what the heck's going on. I had to pull over <laughs> on the side of the road to talk to her, to tell her that there's no emergency. I don't know what, why. And then I realized what had happened. I stuck my phone in the cup holder, and it held in those two buttons. Then I had to respond to uh, each of my family members saying, I'm fine. It was, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but it was I, like, I'll, out of I'll the blue, you you're will. driving along, and this strange voice starts saying, hey, this is the 911 operator. Are you okay? And I'm like, what? What? Who? Where? Why? What? Yeah, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah well, when they first put that uh, fall activation in, I didn't actually fall, but I hit my my phone against the door it caught on the the doorway and it hit hard enough that it interpreted that as a fall and so i had the all the same thing that you just went through yep you know calling my wife who's right in the room with me right (laughs) and and my and our daughter who lives in the area and so you know anyway yes yeah, I, I've done the same thing with the watch, too. When I Early on when I got the watch, same thing, walking through a door and banged into it. I guess we're clumsy people. Um, but it interpreted that as a fall. Now, that one, and I think the other one, too, I just didn't see it because it was in the cup holder. It tells you it's getting ready to make the emergency call. Right. And it gives you, like, five seconds or something like that to respond and say, no, 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 don't do this. And I caught my watch and said, no, yeah. no, not, not, not an emergency. Everything's fine. Um but with the phone, I had no idea. I was just driving along, and suddenly there's somebody talking to me, wanting to know what's wrong with me. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> I could give you yeah, a list, so. but but none of them are emergencies. <laughs> there's lots of things wrong with me, but nothing yeah. that requires 911. Uh, anyway, there's a couple of them that could be misused by somebody. If somebody had access to your phone when it was still unlocked and they knew how to quickly make it traceable, when, uh, then they can make your phone traceable even when it's shut off. Yeah. So, uh, you, you know, typically somebody won't do that to you, but, uh, if you, if you, if you don't have a a lock on your phone and somebody has easy access to it, then they can, 
yeah. you know, do some mischief. Yeah, this weekend uh, I was talking to a friend I bowl with, and he was talking about the fact that, you know, he doesn't have, his phone is not locked at all. I'm like, I couldn't even imagine that. I didn't quiz yeah. him about it, but it was like, do you have any of your banking apps on there? Do you have anything of, you know, it was like, I would never do that. So Yeah, the well, con- the ba- my banking app at anyway is still very securely uh, done, so even if somebody had access to my phone, I I wouldn't worry about the banking app. Right. But, you know, because. It, it requires because. a separate access, which bank, you know, of all the things, it was funny. I was listening to a um, a, 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 a security expert talk this weekend, and she was saying, you know, they, they were quizzing her about, like, you know, uh, online security and, and phones and stuff. And they asked, well, what about all the banking stuff that's online? And she goes, honestly, the banks got religion about security a long time ago, and that's my mm-hmm. least concern about yeah. about, you know, things being hacked into is the banking system. She goes, I'm more concerned about, you know, uh, people. They were talking about, like, Russians hacking into our system. She says, things like our electrical grid and our gas pipeline controllers and, you know, and things like that, you know. Yeah. Like, you you were in the in the area served by that pipeline that got shut down. And it wasn't the, the gas controllers. It was their billing system that they got into, which then they then shut the gas down because they couldn't figure out how to pay to, to, to bill people. For the gas, so they so they shut the gas line down until they could get their billing system back up. You know, yeah. um, there's just so many little holes like that of computers that control things that are not well protected. And the problem is, is that we don't have a lot of nationalized systems. These are all regional and yeah. and and in intrastate systems that um, uh, you know are vulnerable in a lot of cases. You know, water supply and treatment plants have computers that control them. You know, it's right. How well are they protected? You know, the issue is is that a lot of these companies don't even have an IT person. They hired somebody to set it up, and that's it. You know, it's like who knows? Yeah. Who knows how secure it is? Nobody at the company, that's for sure. And and, and when it fails, they'll come to him and say, "Why didn't you take care of this?" He says. Oh, was that part of my job? <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, you, you said you wanted it to work. You didn't say you wanted to be, you know, able to withstand attacks by, you know, Russian hackers. I made it work. You yeah. didn't pay me enough to do that, you know. Or yeah, hey, so. it was perfectly secure back in two thousand and one when I set it up. I didn't know you were going to be running it for two decades, you know. Right. Yeah. Well, talk about securing things. I was listening to some testimony of the things that got shut down in uh, Ukraine as a result of the war. Boy, I tell you, that's when, when everything starts going to, you know, where in the handbasket, it's, it's just awful. Mm-hmm. Especially, especially when it finally gets to food, there's no place to get food anymore. Right. Yeah. yeah. You know, that, and that's so, it, despite news that, you know, Ukraine is making progress and even pushed Russians back in some cases, the the long term, those are the things that are going to get you. Is you know, you got to have food for your people. You know, you've got to have yeah. clean water. You've got to, ha- you know, that's that's the yeah. infrastructure yeah. has to be protected, and that's not easy to do. So uh, anyway, things things are pretty dire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, we, I, it's just hard hard for people here to appreciate it unless they really get testimony from somebody that's there, you know? Right, yeah. This, this is what's yeah. If you've happened. got Ukrainian relatives, you know, then, then you're feeling this much more uh, uh, closely and tangibly than, than the average American. Yeah, um, and I think it's good that American television is getting some of those people uh, in, into some interviews so that they can, so that we understand 
Yeah. But how bad the situation is. Well, and you know that you know the people who uh, who are involved with securing things here are paying real close attention to how the attacks are being structured so that they can then look at, at uh, ways to make sure that we are more hardened than we have been yep. uh, in a lot of areas. You know, what is being attacked and how is it being attacked? And then... Yeah, this, this is the time to to really learn lessons, yeah. you know, when other people are suffering. Because if, if you don't learn now uh, and you wait until it happens, it's, yeah. it's you, just... Yeah, you're it's... completely vulnerable too, yeah. You know, um, yeah, no, I think that a lot of the military planners have learned a lot about Russian military capability um, and were surprised at, at at how weak that is. But then they're also learning a lot of things about their cyber capability and how they are, you know, leveraging that and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and hopefully taking notes. Yeah, this morning I noticed that uh, apparently we're now removing Russia's membership in just about every international organization in the world. Yeah. Uh, at least that's suggested. I don't know if it's happened yet, but uh, that's that's a good thing. You know, they're total outcasts. Yeah. No, I think that that's the, the, the thing, um, you know, and that's the, the right tack to be taking. My only concern is, is if we paint them into a corner, then they're going to think that they don't have a lot of options, and I don't want them to settle down on some of the worser options that they possibly could. So it's a fine right. line. It's a very it fine is. line. It really is. The other thing, on 60 Minutes last night, they had a segment on London. Did you did you watch 60 Minutes? I did not. I was out of town most well, of the weekend. Well, seg- the, 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 I forgot the title of it, but... Uh, uh, but anyway, I don't need to say that, but it turns out that a lot of the oligarchs, the majority of oligarchs from Russia, yeah. have settled in London and bought up what were were uh, the major estates by people who were uh, royalty. Right, okay? yeah. There's a whole long street of, of these people. And it's been going on so long now, and they're just now realizing how dangerous it is. And, and one of them, they even... Well, was elected as a Senate to their chamber, you know? Yeah, they don't have senators, uh, but yeah. Well, I thought they said Senate, but maybe no. I misunderstood. House of but, Commons and House of Lords. Okay, he was a lord or something. Yeah, he, he had a funny-looking outfit on. Uh, anyway, uh, it, it's a serious problem over there. Uh, a lot of these people are not even on the list yet of oligarchs, but they they are. They're basically yeah. uh, Ill, ill-gotten gains because of putin right well and it's something that i thought was interesting is uh, one person said that we should really quit using the term oligarch because that implies that oligarch uh by definition means that they have power over the government and they said it's not that it's a dictatorship they have power as long as putin says they have power and if he doesn't like what they're doing then they disappear and somebody else becomes the guy making the money but they they, and they're all they're all funneling money back to putin and if he they all have Financial financial power is uh, is what brought, bought their their position in in London. Right, but they're you know? basically agents of Putin. If any one of them ever says yeah. anything that he doesn't like, then they go away, and I mean literally go away. And some new guy shows up who now runs that same company and has all that money. You know, mm-hmm. as long as that person does what he's told. But as soon as he doesn't, so by definition, they're not oligarchs because oligarch implies that they have some power within their country, and they don't. They're all just puppets. Yeah. So, anyway, uh, which is even scarier in my book, but yeah. Oh yeah, 
but the stuff that's coming to light, you know, people, I'm sure uh, outside of London, there weren't, there were a lot of folks that hadn't even anticipated this uh, being an issue in their country because they weren't even aware of it. Right. Yeah. Billionaires from some other country start moving into your country en masse and, and then acquiring political power there. (laughs) They're going to be, you know, British oligarchs, not Russian oligarchs. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that there's, uh, you know, they, they were concerned that a big part of why the Brexit thing happened was because of uh, Europe dictating rules about people um, coming from other countries and, and they were concerned about overwhelming their own society with, with people from other societies. And a lot of people accused that of being a racist move. Um, and I won't get into that conversation, but little did they know that they were being uh, basically taken over in, in a sense with with people from Russia, too, you know? Uh, yeah, I, I, think, I think it's become, it's it's obviously now a big embarrassment to uh, Great Britain that this has become exposed, at least here in America, in a big way, Yeah, you know, Sunday night TV. So uh, some of the guys that they interviewed on that looked embarrassed about the whole thing, or at least, yeah. you know. And it's like, they, yeah, well, probably because if you dig a little bit, you'll find out that a lot of the politicians have been taking money from these guys to run their campaigns. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's that's definitely happened. Yeah. So they've been they've been. Uh, uh, what's the word in, invaded in a sense? Yeah. By uh, foreigners that, that uh, they've unwittingly given power to. Yeah. Undue influence. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So next thing so up was actually uh, HomeKit Camera Live on Apple TV. I'm not sure what happened, but I'm hearing myself echo back through your system really badly. Really? Yeah. I didn't do anything. So it's that's why I was kind of pausing when I was talking earlier, because it's very disconcerting to hear yourself being repeated like a second and a half later. Well, I don't know. Should I change the mode? I'll put it on the yeah. speaker. That way I'll hear you uh, yeah. a different way. Yeah, my echo didn't hear, come back that time, so that solved the echo problem. Yeah, well, I can't hear you quite as well, but I'll, I'll be all right. So um, I have HomeKit, and I have HomeKit cameras, and I have an Apple TV, and I do this semi-regularly, not all the time. But uh, you can you can get a live view of any of your HomeKit cameras up on your TV screen. So while you're watching something, you can, like, check the front of the house or, or the doorbell or, you know, whatever, if you have a HomeKit video feed. Um, and all you do is double tap the, the home, uh, what is it? No, you, you touchpad the, uh, what is it? Press and hold the home button, which is the little button that looks like a TV on your Apple remote. And then, uh, you get options of changing the user and, uh, you know, forcing things to sleep, attaching a game controller, that kind of stuff. And one of them is the little, uh, home kit icon. And it then will give you any of your cameras and you can scroll through them to see where people are locked or are like right now I see in front of my house, there's a white car parked across the street. Yeah, well, I didn't even put my camera on when we moved to this house because there was such a delay that I thought that that was virtually useless. Right. Well, I don't use the camera on. I've never had the smart um, doorbell camera. 
but I have security cameras up on different corners of my house and my yard. And like, I got one that looks at my front door. It's not, it's not at my uh, doorbell, but it's like, there's an L shape area. So it's across from the door and it looks there and it gives me notifications anytime it sees what it thinks is a package. Ah, yeah. You know, so, and that's not timely, you know? So, so I don't care. You know, the idea that the, the camera allows you to have a conversation with somebody who knocks on your door when you're not home, I think you're right. That the the the, the lag in you being notified that there's somebody there. Well, that's the, because it's got an Internet connection, and the Internet, you know, delayed things uh, too much. Right. By the time you knew that they were there, they had already given up. They had knocked and walked away. So right. you, you could see who it was, but you can't actually have a conversation with them like they show on television. So, right. Yeah, that's um... so. Anyway, I sort of gave up the idea of having a video feed from the door. Yeah, well, the way mine's set up, like I said, I have a video feed that watches the door, and I don't care to have a conversation with anybody. It's not on my doorbell. It's just there for me to, uh, like, look and see if there's a package that has been delivered, or, um, uh, you know, or get notified if a package has been delivered. Yeah, well, they were charging me three dollars uh, a month just to because I was storing the videos and stuff on uh-huh. their their system, you know. Right. They were in there, and I said, "Well, why am I spending three dollars a month for that? I don't care about." Most of the time, there was nothing on them, you know. Right. So I I just canceled that. Yeah, and, see, and, and that that yeah. makes sense to get rid of it. See, I use HomeKit compatible cameras, and so all of my stuff is included uh, with free iCloud storage. So it's yeah. all kept there. So I don't pay anything for storage of the video. So I can go back and look at a couple days worth of video to see if there's anything that, you know, right. if, if something disappears, I can go back and see, you know, I have a, a tool chest on one side of my house. And if somebody, you know, got yeah. to that and then got into it, and I keep it locked most of the time when I'm not using well, it anyway. The other, the other thing that made it kind of not very useful is in my previous house, the front door did not face the street. Right. It just faced the house next door. And so most of the video from it, if somebody wasn't standing in front of the camera, was just a wall, you know? Yeah, exactly. That's, <laughs> that's exciting. Yeah, see, yeah. I've got a camera not only pointing at my door, but I've got one that points out the front of the house, too, so I can see if there's somebody in front of the house. Yeah. Um, but but if you if you catch traffic going on the street, then it's that's become, because it's moving, It that becomes right. an alarm every Yeah, it triggers all the time. The- yeah. Although they've got AI in most of these cameras now, so you can say, hey, I want to be notified for a pedestrian, but not for a vehicle or, you know, or a pet. Well, the the only control you had on this camera that I had was you could put lines around where its viewing area was. In other words, you could modify the viewing area. Yeah, you can narrow down the, the area of sensitivity. Right. Yeah, most of them rudimentarily have that and the ability to adjust how sensitive it is, right? So, if, right. you know, so like if there's uh like I've got one camera that that looks at the front door of my of my studio here. So if somebody comes into my studio, I can see who it was and it and and it notifies me. Well, I actually turned off the notifications, but I noticed that there's a motion sensitive light down at the other end of our house, and when that light comes on at night, it it's Enough light that, you know, it. the camera senses that as motion because the light comes on. So every time the light comes on, it, yep. the camera Alarm. records and says, hey, you know, there's motion there. Um, and unfortunately, the sensor on the camera that triggers the light is 
angled such, and I need to play with this, but it's angled such that if somebody walks by the front of my house, they're not even on my property, if they walk by, they trigger the light, which then in turn causes motion further down. You know, it's like it relays the, the motion. So I need to play around with that a little bit to adjust it, and I just haven't. It's not it's not that yeah. big of a of a headache that, that it's but one of these days I'll get out there and do it, you know, next time just, I'm out. Just like, another example that in the real world a lot of these so called solutions really aren't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it gives you information. You just have to, you know, you understand what, what the appropriate expectations are. You know, it's not like right. You know, the commercial on TV where they got Shaq saying, this is the best thing ever. You know, I didn't have to buy a $100,000 security system. All I needed was a $139 doorbell camera. You know, and you're like, okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, uh, that's a uh, picture in a picture. Was there another... Yeah, so we've got uh, updates on iOS stuff. I think we talked to it, talked about it earlier a little bit. iOS 15.4.1 has been pushed out. Um, there were a few things that they were fixing, including one that was uh, some people, I guess, were having bad um, battery draining issues with 15.4. But I've since read that several people have said that this didn't fix that, that they're still having battery draining issues. Um, so I don't know if it's physically my phone or if it's an iOS thing, but I have noticed that in the most recent update, so 15.4 and now also 15.41, it did not fix that, that I have um, every once in a while the touch sense, the, the, like my, my phone just kind of like like locks up for a second, and then it'll catch up with everything I did. So it's like the buffer locks up, the input buffer, and then suddenly yeah. it, it spills in, and so it'll get like multiple clicks and touches and swipes which is more than just a little irritating when it happens. You know, you're trying to do something and you swipe, 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 and, and the screen acts like it's locked up, and then suddenly it like acts like you swiped up three times in a row, um, which you did, but it you know didn't do anything. And so there's a weird lagginess to my interface. That um, now, granted, I have an iPhone 11, so it's you know a few years old, but it's a few 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 years older than yours or newer than yours. I don't know if you had any issues. Uh, I have on my iPad, I notice issues on my iPad way before I do on my phone. And I've ever since, uh, I, I don't remember how long ago, but I will have just a locked up screen sometimes. And the only thing to do is to turn the program off. And sometimes I have to then go and remove it from the background even, yeah. uh, in order and restart it in order to, uh, correct the problem. Yeah. And, and I've never found it's so it's not necessarily every app. So it's not. I I don't think it's Apple's problem. I think it's a, an app problem. Uh -huh. Well, I have something similar to that that happens with strangely enough the Amazon app, where the Amazon app you'll be like um, when you go to like look at a product right, and then you can flip through multiple pictures of it. Yeah. The screen will just go blank. Huh. And I don't have to restart the app or anything, but if I back up and then go to that page again, it'll then show me the thing, and I can then flip through the pictures. But every once in a while, it'll happen again, you know, where it just goes blank, and I have to I have to hit the back button, and then well, flip, I find you know I I like I like Amazon, but I I have not I'm not a fan of their app. Yeah, uh, you know, it's not as user friendly as it should be, given the businesses they're in. Right. Well, I and I do most of my if I do Amazon ordering, it's usually um, on my iPad. I use the browser or on my computer. I use the browser. I only use the app when I'm on my phone. 
And yeah. yeah, there are things about the app on my phone that I don't like very much. But more, but, but recently, I've been having a lot of issues with it. And, and when I say that, it, the, the screen goes blank. This is almost every time I use it now. Um, yeah. I'll be looking at something, and it just goes blank. And so that you hit the back screen, and then you have to you know start the search again to find that page and open that page up, and everything's fine for a while. Yeah, yeah. Uh, until you get back to where you were before, it caused the problem, and then you do it again. <laughs> well, I haven't had that happen. That's what I'm saying. I get back to where I was, and it <laughs> seems to work. But then a few more flips after the page, you know, it just it seems to have a problem again. I thought it was probably tied to the operating system because I thought that that was maybe the same thing where it was just um, it's just that the weird uh, lag in input caused it not to be able to redraw the screen yet. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so and I have found like when the screen locks up like that, sometimes I have to wait 30 seconds to a minute and then it'll work. So if you're patient, it clears itself. But, you know, it's just a really weird lagginess that, that there's a bug in there somewhere. Yeah. And, and it has to do with the input buffer somewhere, I would guess. But um, but it's annoying, really annoying. It, it really is, yeah. Anytime you find a dead spot on your screen, because, you you know, that's how you control it. You know, if you can't push the buttons or or get move the screen up and down or whatever, it get get real frustrating. And and oftentimes when this thing locks up, you you lost track of where you were. I can't even get back to where I was, you know, because I forgot what I did to get there. Yeah, exactly. Or or, or I even forget what I was doing when when this happened, you know. <laughs> well, I'm I not mean, that I'm, old. You're older than I am, so that, that's right. <laughs> but but that's that makes the problem even worse, you know. Yeah, it's like well, so. I was kind of interested in that. What was it? Where where was I? How do I get that's, back to this thing? That's, that's that's right. That's like walking into a room and says, "How did I get here?" Yeah, yeah. Why did I come in here again? And I've done that. I yeah. Uh, that's yeah. The older you get, the more confusing the world gets. I just explained that that one by you know my brain is dealing with so many different things. I'm thinking about so many different things that by the time I get there, you know, I've moved on to four the four or five different things to think about. And by the time I get there, then I have to like go back and replay it to figure yeah. out what I, why I was walking. Because while I'm walking, I'm thinking about other stuff. You know, that's it's just you're using that time positively. Yeah, and if you believe that, <laughs> so. Uh, so yeah, I, you know the fifteen point four, in my opinion, is kind of buggy thus far. So I would expect a 15.4.2, probably not too far in the future. Um, yeah, there's. But we'll see. You know, the, you know, they're reaching the prop, the state in the development of this thing where it's getting so complex that there's just no way to ever get all these bugs out of the way. Yeah. And and that that's what theory about software complexity is all about. You know, they got to continually uh, work at redoing significant parts of their system so that they can uh -huh. they can make sense out of it for their programmers well my understanding is is that um they have been kind of going through and redoing lots of significant por portions of it in swift because originally everything had been written in objective c and so you know they've been going through and sort of saying no we're going to go everything to swift because it's a it forces better documentation and more maintainable code um, yeah. better structure and so, um, plus, rewriting stuff allows them to go through and look at, you know, things they can optimize. And so they've been doing that 
pretty pretty big scale but uh but you know just so many millions of lines of code written over so many years even if you've rewritten lots of it it's you know by lots and lots of different people there's going to be bugs and bits and pieces and holes that you know allow for other people to do nasty things to your system and so they're you know fixing and patching and adding and you know it's just it's just a never-ending thing yeah you know uh, uh pretty soon those of us who have problems and often enough can just get frustrated and say I've, i'm going to forget all of this stuff and go back to something simple i just want a phone yeah flip you know? phone and you know what i want to take a note there's a pencil and paper. It never needs to reboot. Always works just fine. That's right. You know, or uh, you buy a new phone, not necessarily brand new, could be used or whatever. But you you start over, and you don't load onto your phone anything except the absolute necessary apps that you've learned to use. And you stop this nonsense of saying, "Oh, there's a new app. Oh, maybe I'll find that useful." Yeah. I know I got my phone so full of crap that I hit, I need to start over because of yeah. what I did, you know? I've gone through and deleted some stuff out, but I still have lots and lots of stuff that I've collected for that exact reason. You know, it's like, oh, this looks interesting, and I try it, and then I don't. Do and I've tried to get more in the habit of if I try something, but it's not something that I use after a day or two, go back and just delete it. Um, but that requires that you remember, you know, and pay attention to crap you've loaded on there. Um, the other thing that I do is when I get a new device, I almost never say, you know, automatically allow the system to set it up the same as my old device because that's easy to do and the systems are set up to do that nowadays but yeah i almost never do that i start using it and i load on the apps as i need them and as i use them and that way i get a kind of fresh start every time i uh, yeah. get a new device now i don't get new devices that often but because uh, it is a little bit of a pain but you know that way i get the new new device only gets the stuff that I need as I need it. Yep. Yep. We do we do it to ourselves though lots of times, you know. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So, absolutely. Anyway, your your next thing here says Apple wants you to subscribe to your own phone. Of course they do. Yeah. Because because they know how they know that we don't get new phones as often as they want to, want them to, so that they figure if they can get you paying all the time and just give you a new phone when they yeah. want to. If you get used to just paying a flat monthly fee and you get a new phone every time one comes out, yeah. then you know that's very enticing to a lot of people. Now, what I don't quite understand, because I thought you had already done this kind of thing. Didn't Apple already have something like that set up where you just paid a, a, a monthly fee and you just got the new phone automatically? Well, I knew it was available that way, but I thought about it a little bit, and I said, well, the monthly charge is way higher than I would accept. Yeah. Because you add it up and you say how much you're really paying, and that, right. that exposes that. Well, the way they had structured it before, I thought, was basically you could buy the phone uh, on a ongoing basis or a monthly fee, and it was basically the cost of the phone, and there was zero interest. So you were just paying it out monthly instead of all at once. Oh, in terms of paying for the new phone, yeah, they, they financed it in a very favorable way. There was no sense paying the whole price up front because you weren't going to pay any more by putting it out over a period of time. Yeah. You're right. And that and that was a necessary thing to exp to expand their market for these most expensive phones because most people didn't have that kind of cash laying around. Yeah. Yeah, but most people don't that, want to say, "Okay, yes, I'll take the $1000 phone for for me, what, my family and all my friends." 
But what that did is it also enticed people who could afford to pay the amount full to not pay it in full. Right. Okay. Which, which is what I did. I mean, I could have paid them, you know, the amount, but I said, that's foolish. Yeah. You know, 0% interest. I'll keep my money for a while longer than you keep my money for a while. That's right. Yeah. Time is money, right? Yeah. (laughs) Or money is time. Yeah, especially, especially you know now with inflation, right? You you start paying for it at one point, and and it's actually cheaper in the long run. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So, yeah, no, I think the like the very first comment in the comment sections is as long as it's an option, it would be great for those who like the idea. If it becomes only the only way to get an iPhone, then Apple's going to lose more money than they think they'd be gaining by forcing the issue. Right. And I think that's absolutely right. It's like great as long as it's optional. But if they suddenly come out and say, we don't sell them anymore, we basically just lease them, and you pay an X amount, and you get the newest one whenever it comes out, um, mm-hmm. while that might be wildly popular for some people, there's going to be some who are like, nope, don't want to do that. You know, I'm happy to, not happy to, but I mean, I'll pay whatever it costs to buy the dang thing, because I don't just, you know, I don't replace it every year, uh, or even every two years. You know, it's every three to five years when I replace my phone, yeah. and so yeah. I'm perfectly happy to to uh to just buy it and then have no additional costs other than my you know the service that you know your connect connectivity right right you know there's a few things it's funny there's a few things that i think apple i'm surprised apple hasn't done one is i'm surprised that they haven't either bought or tied themselves much more closely to a a means of the service why why didn't they buy an AT&T or a T-Mobile, you know, T-Mobile or Sprint when they had the chance? And and you know, they'd still be available on the other stuff, but they could they could tie things in through that service more tightly. I'm surprised they haven't done that, especially as much as they're into services now. The other one is product-wise, I still don't understand with them being so security conscious why Apple doesn't sell a um modems. Yeah, well, a yeah, not a modem, but a um a router anymore router router for the house you know yeah that that yeah it it doesn't doesn't make much sense to me either i don't i don't you know because they've got that that's a piece of their security story you know yep and and that's the thing that they talk about and they've been using as a as a, a marketing tool for quite a while is hey we're a more secure way of doing things but as soon as anything leaves your phone any data then it's basically well who you know You've got to trust whoever your your provider is, and you've got to trust your Wi-Fi. And those two things, to me, would give them a complete story. Yeah, yeah. It just shocks me that they haven't done that, especially as a company that that likes to be, you know, have those vertical silos of, of, you know, own the whole chain, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I I, I don't know where Apple's headed with a lot of this stuff, Mm -hmm. but... uh, it's uh, it's clear that you know once you get to a certain point of capability, that there's not much features that they can add that are beneficial without also bringing in maybe a downside with them. You know. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah. Speaking it, of products that they don't make, uh, Ming Chi Kuo says that they are actively testing a device with a nine-inch foldable OLED display. Well, they had to do that because Samsung has been doing it, selling products like that for some time. Yeah. Well, the initial ones were laughable at how bad they were. I think the yeah. 
the current ones are now to the point where they're sort of acceptable, but there's such a premium for these foldable ones. I mean, Samsung's foldable uh, uh, phones are like close to two thousand dollars. Yeah, I mean, it's literally twice for the for what you'd pay for like their top of the line regular phone. And yep. I wonder, you know, how small is that? How how big is that market really right now, given that price point? But uh, I guess like well, any, any new technology. That's in order to keep the the production minimal because they they're harder to make and they're expensive and you know but that's where the stuff starts right stuff fancy stuff for your cars always starts with Mercedes Benz and Cadillac and the high end you know BMW and eventually you can buy it in your Honda and your Hyundai right right yeah I I, I used to be at that leading edge uh, type of buyer but uh, I I at a point where I'm saying what's the value added, <laughs> you yeah. know, and really get serious about how, how yeah. important it is. Uh, until Depends on how you uh, use it until lately, there were, there've been some really nice advances in the camera features on the phone. Yeah. And, and that might be, you know, the made the major attraction for an upgrade, but I'm not sure that that's that important to me personally. Yeah. Yeah, I know there's been advances in the cameras from the I've got an 11 Pro to the 13, but to be honest, I've looked at them and I've seen pictures from I've got friends who have 13 that looked at and and I just don't see that it's significant enough to make me want to move right now, you know? I mean, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see what comes out with the 14. Uh well, that, but I just that, don't know that that's I want to spend say, the money. That's why I went to the 10 when it first came out. There was a kind of a big step there. Right, yeah, both in the camera capability. Plus, that was the first phone that that had the the new uh, face recognition and a completely, you know, full screen, Apple's right. version of a full screen phone. I mean, that was a significant jump. You yeah, know? and I waited so, two years because I didn't get the 10 or the 10s. I had an iPhone 7, and mm-hmm. the 10 and the 8 came out simultaneously. And yeah. uh, and I remember because my brother got an 8, you know, which has the same basic processor and guts as the 10. It just had the more traditional button on the front. His was yep. the last of the buttons, um, you know, other than the SE phones, which they're still making. But uh, can you can you see yourself ever buying an AR VR headset? Speaking of new technologies, yeah, I saw you put that link in there. You know, I would never. I don't think I would ever get a VR. I just don't see anything intriguing about putting that. I'm not a gamer, and and so and it's not going to be super cheap. So I don't see that now an AR thing where it's more like glasses and and overlays the real world so that it can provide you know uh, mm-hmm. directions and and uh, and maybe like uh, you know um, metadata about people that you're talking to because it goes facial recognition and says oh hey that's Bob his birthday's in June you know his wife's name is you know Nancy. Um, you know, that kind of thing I think would be cool because I sometimes would love to have that additional information there because I don't always have immediate recall on that. Right. Uh, but but as far as the VR part of it, you know, there's already pretty good VR headsets out there. I mean, I'm sure Apple would do it, you know, with, with a higher resolution and, you know, faster faster response time and whatever. But in, I don't see an app there, a, a use case that fits me. Huh? It's it's kind of a gamer's thing, isn't it? So far, it has been. Now, if Apple comes out with some reason to say, "Hey, it's not just for gamers anymore. There's a reason for you to want this," then I'd have to see what that is. But right now, I don't see a use for VR that uh, appeals to me. Yeah. But I know that they're talking about it. They keep talking about it, getting close. So we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. 
So apparently Apple's employees are upset too. Apple has said that they want them to start returning to the office and there are more and more saying, but we don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, they're not the only one facing this problem. I mean, we're talking, you know, in a in an Apple forum here, but there's a lot of companies that are having the same issue. And while some are saying, sorry, we're going to at least get back to a semblance of the way it used to be, there are some companies who are going, okay, this works fine. We can get rid of a lot of our lease costs and stuff and save the, the company money, which means that we have more money to pay you guys with. Um, yeah. You know, we'll we'll downsize office space. And when we do have office space, it's going to be, uh, non um, non identified office space. I mean, you come in and you bring your your remote rig, your laptop and whatever, and you just take an available desk. It does. You won't have an office dedicated to you because you're not here all the time. You know that that whole uh, COVID era is going to be remembered mostly for the upset it has made uh, made in the business world uh, and employee relationships. It's going to be remembered for that. Yeah, because there were a lot of people who didn't like their jobs, uh, didn't didn't like the commutes. Right. That, a big a big portion of, of these people are probably the commute related things. Well, and I think that's a large part of it where Apple is, because, you know, that's a very expensive place to live. And so a lot of their employees had to commute in because they couldn't afford to live closer to where they were working. Right. And so after after having not had to come in for quite a while and being able to be functional, they said, well, why on earth are you making me come back in and going back to that? I don't want that. Right. You know, it's funny. They got some quotes from employees here, you know, and one of them's like, well, I'm going to come in on the day they make me come back, say hi to everybody, catch up a little bit. And then when I get home that night, I'm going to resign. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> another, and another big part about this is there are a lot of people who have had sort of some hobbies on the side that they thought might be a fun way, business to be in. And so they just decided during the COVID deal to give full time to their, uh, you know, uh, yeah. their hobby because that was more fun yeah. than they did to their business, and basically yeah. broke broke the chain with the business and right. never going, never never coming back. Yeah, there's a lot of people who've said, "Hey, you know what? I found a way to make enough money for me to live the way I want to live without yeah. working for you or following your rules," you know. And then there's a bunch who said, I'm fine working here and I'm doing everything I was doing there. Why on earth should I come sit somewhere so that you can watch me work? I don't understand that. I absolutely yeah. disagree with Mac Daily News's take on this. You know, theirs is basically don't let the door hit you on the way out. Uh, and they said the silver lining is that the oft irrational, overwrought, overwrought, overboard COVID response is an excellent way in one fell swoop to get rid of crappy, lazy employees. I'm paraphrasing here. We've already yeah. milked this nonsense for an obscene amount of time, and Apple should take advantage of this opportunity to bring in some new motivated blood. Right. Um, I don't disagree that, that, that you know, it is as employees turn over, but I think there are a lot of motivated employees who, who are trying to make a point that, hey, wait a minute, we've found a new way to work. You should embrace that, at least in some form, instead of saying we have to come back in and sit, it, it, sit there where, you know, people can literally watch us. You know, we're, yeah. we're, we're able to be productive. We've shown it. We've managed to push out updates to software and do lots of things as normal without us driving into sitting in a chair that you bought every day. And so right. why do we have to go back to that? And I think that if Apple was smart, they would look at that and say, well, let's let's look at which jobs and which which functions work well and how we can make this work. Because, you know, I think there's going to be a fair number of highly motivated, really talented people who are 
feeling the exact same way. So I think Mac Daily News' take is wrong on this. And 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 what I what I see is is that they're going to end up to having uh, to pay for. Uh, commuting costs and other things in order to get people to come back. A lot, a lot of people uh, see that as the big, a big cost driver in, in working some places, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, and they've never made, really made a distinction before, that way before. Yeah. You know, if you, if you lived a far ways away and had to drive for a long time, that was your choice, and so you had to pay for it. Now, now people are saying, if I'm, if if you really want me, you have to cover those costs. Yeah. Yeah. Although uh, it's, yeah, I think you're right. I think it's just it's a different world. And while I think that there are plenty of of, you know, mediocre employees who are are lazy and milking this for all they can, there are also lots of high quality employees who who said, you know, I prefer this way of working to that way of working. And like you said, other employees, sometimes some of the best, who have said, hey, guess what? I found a way to turn my hobby into a source of income and I don't have to come back. You right. Know? Um, but those aren't the ones complaining about coming back because they don't intend to come back at all anyway. Right. <laughs> They're like, yeah, been nice. Uh, I like some of the quotes down here that they have from Steve Jobs, though, to make their point. It's like Steve Jobs said, I do not adopt softness towards others because I want to make them better. <laughs> you know, tough love. Yeah. Um, another quote, some people aren't used to an environment where excellence is expected. Fair enough. Yep. This one's interesting. A players attract A players. B players attract C players. Yep. yep. You know? And so he didn't want to let mediocrity creep in, you know. And I, I think I think that if you set high standards and high expectations and everybody knows that, then everybody plays up to that. If you have lax standards and low expectations or not well-communicated expectations, then everybody plays down to that, right? And so as a sure. leader in a company, you have, to, you have to, if you're going to be successful, you know, expect excellence. Set a high bar, you know. And that doesn't mean that you crush people if they don't live up to your expectations, but, but you know, you don't pat them on the back and go, oh, gosh, that's okay, and let everybody else start sliding down to a lower level of productivity as well. So, yeah, I, I get where they're coming from, but I just I think that their, their response, at least as it's written here, is not taking into account um, fair, fair positions by people who are, are Ever, high anyway. Anyway, we're in a learning curve at this point, and businesses are trying certain things and and seeing how they work, you know. Yeah. But but by the same token, if they've got big demand for their products and they need employees to get job done, and then they just have to pay the price. Right. Well, and there are some jobs that that work well remotely. You know, I mean, somebody writing yeah. software doesn't need to be sitting anywhere in particular while they're doing it. If they want to work remotely while sitting on a beach somewhere, then, you know, fine. But, you know, if if your job is, you know, physically manipulating things that are physically in a location, you have to be there. Yeah. You know, you can't yeah. you can't not be there <laughs> and do the job. So I just, at the bottom of this, I just noticed that an up the next article down is Netflix and Apple TV pull out of bidding on Will Smith biopic after the assault on Chris Rock? Yeah. He's he's going to pay the price. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, it's funny. Uh, it's they, uh, There was some polls done shortly after that happened, and they said that women overwhelmingly felt like he 
that was okay. I say overwhelming, the, the majority of women. It was something like 70% of the women polled said that they, they felt that he was in the right. And, and I think if you look, but if you look at the general population, which obviously is roughly 50, 50, um, the, it, it skewed the other way. It was like, no, you know, I, I very much, I'm a fan of comedians. And I think the idea that now comedians have to, you know, that somehow it's been, um, you know, socially made acceptable in, at least until there are some pretty strong consequences levied, we'll, we'll see if that happens. But it's socially made acceptable that if a comedian, I mean, you know, Don Rickles made a complete career out of out of criticizing people. It was a privilege to be put down by Don Rickles. That's right. You know, and yeah. and the I and, and quite honestly, Chris Rock does very similar type. I mean, it's a you know more yeah. modern, updated take, but that's part of his comedy. You know, is put down comedy, and and you know, you go like, really. Yeah, maybe well, maybe the joke wasn't a great joke. Maybe it didn't land well, but that's what comedians do. You know, I believe I believe if you go back and just assess the facts of what ha- actually happened that night, the very first thing is is that uh, uh, w- Will Smith, when he sat down, was laughing at the joke until yeah. he looked at his wife. Okay, and then then he realized, well, she doesn't think it's funny. So I can't think it's funny either. So yeah, that, but I mean, can you imagine if you're doing something and somebody said something at the expense of your wife, and you're kind of chuckling at it, and then you turn over and you see that she's, you know, hurt? Yes. Your your sense is going to change pretty significantly. I don't I don't deny Will Smith's feelings. It's the actions he took. That that's right. You know, I mean, he could yeah. have sat right there in his chair and yelled back because I'll tell you what, every comedian absolutely knows that they can get heckled and there's nothing wrong with heckling it's it's the getting up and physically hitting somebody that that, but but it was because of of her uh reaction to it that he says i've got to defend my wife now he had choices as to how that defense could come about he could have sat in his chair you know and that's what i just said he could have heckled him he could have just turned around and shouted you know, and and made it clear that he was not kidding. You know, wasn't just teasing yeah. with a with a grin on his face, which which he did after he hit him. Yeah, but, but it, it that so that's what I you know that's where I was going with that. That's what I said. It's like I have no issues with him feeling upset, you yeah. know, and feeling like maybe Chris Rock went a, a step too far. Now, there's no evidence that Chris Rock knew that she had alopecia. Yeah, but I don't it, know about that. You know, and whether he did or not is irrelevant. He he said the joke. You know, and the joke, whether you thought it was funny or not, is irrelevant. You know, it's yeah. the fact that he said something and then the other guy hit him, you know, yeah. and and that's just not acceptable in our society. That's it's right. Not. Yep. Yeah. Bill Maher had a really good take on that on his show this weekend um, on the whole thing. And hey, you know, I'm beginning to think that there is a Democrat in California that has a level head thinks a little bit. He's talking about Bill Maher. Yeah. Yeah. No, he, he's, he's happy to make a joke and skewer anybody on the political side, but, but he also, in, in addition to a satire does commentary with it, you know, he's, he's making social commentary. That's right. And, and, you know, he'll, he calls it as he sees it. I hate it when people say, I tell the truth. No, he calls it as he sees it. 
Um, but he sees it fairly balanced. You know, there are times mm-hmm. when when he he thinks that the that Republicans are just doing stupid stuff. But he yep. also thinks there's times when Democrats are doing stupid stuff. And if he thinks he can get a laugh, he will, because that's yep. what comedians are supposed to do. You yep. know, if they think they can get a laugh, then they say it. That's their job. You know, right. That, I mean, really, that's the beginning and the ending of it. They think they can get a laugh. And, you know, and, if, if they and, cross a line, then you tell them so. But you and, don't hit them. And I, I'll have to agree with you. I don't think there's a comedian out there, a professional top level comedian. That isn't one of the smartest guys in the room. Yeah. Oh, these guys are bright, you know, and they and they stay on top of whatever is being talked about in the general population. They have yeah. to, you know, yeah. um, they have to be topical. I mean, unless you're, you know, like Gallagher, where you smash watermelons, you know, and that you, oh, your, yeah, your stick is a little different then. But, right. uh, you know, they've all kind of got their thing, um, you know, I mean, but. You know, and it doesn't always have to be jokes at somebody's expense, too. You know, I mean, sometimes it's just talking about, you know, common day life things. You know, I mean, uh, George Carlin had a whole thing about the differences between baseball and football. He's not attacking anybody there, yeah. you know, but but some some comedy is done at the expense of other people. Some isn't, you know, if you don't like it, don't listen. It's comedy. It's entertainment. You know, yeah. and if and if you're lucky, it'll make you think a little bit if you're really lucky. Yeah. You know, um, you know, but there are a lot of comedians who, who, especially in today's environment, not that it hasn't been that way before, too. But but uh, but because comedy is kind of a dangerous thing, you know, societally, if you're saying things that people find offensive, um, you know, it, there's been a history yeah. of comedians sort of being shut down, you know, and we, we talk about it today, the cancel culture. But, you know, that's sort of their job. That's you know, right. If you're if you're a uh, a social satirist or, or or political satirist, your job is to sort of push those buttons and, and make people think and make them a little squirmy and, and make them chuckle while you're yep. doing it. You know, so I don't know. Yeah, it's it, it's a it's a societal mechanism to kind of keep people's heads level or, or try to make, yeah. you know, cut out the extremists on yeah. either side. Yeah. Or at least point them out. Yeah. You know point them out for for the 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 lunacy that you know that they are sometimes you know and and a lot a lot of good comedy is pointing things out out of context right so if you just point it out you know it's like well if you do this walking down the street you look like an idiot but you know (laughs) but you can stand in front of congress and say this all day long you know yeah so yeah you know um unfortunate situation i hope i hope that um, you know, he's held accountable for the assault, you know, that's, that's the, you know, uh, I don't think I would ever do something like that, but if I did, you sure enough know, I wouldn't be, you know, allowed to sit there and then go up and accept an award and, and, you know, go on my merry way. Yeah. I don't think the Academy handled this well at all. By the way, you know, Will Smith quit the Academy. Yeah. Well, that's because they were getting ready to kick him out. And so he just, he quit. You know, um, the uh, and I don't know what that does other than takes away his ability to vote for subsequent things by not being in the academy. Probably. Um, but that's about it. You know, I mean, it's not like there's any real fallout for, other than for any up know, and comer. It was a big deal when they got accepted. Oh, absolutely. Academy. Absolutely. Yeah. Being part of the, you know, and and, you know, I don't know that it, it remains to be seen whether that means whether he'll be able to get a job 
you know, working somewhere else. I think he's a big enough box office draw that it's not going to really hurt him financially in the long run, and he's certainly well, he, financially secure, so it doesn't, No, you know. no, no matter how big you are, it takes a chunk out of your uh, your audience. It always so, does. It will, and, you know, but and, I think, too, the next thing that he does, a lot of people are going to turn up just to see, right? <laughs> just out of curiosity. Yeah, Even though it's right. not like he's going to come out in a movie and start making comments about what went off in, 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 in his personal life. But, you know, you know, with the rise of Apple TV and, and things like that, the, the big money guys that uh, have already rejected him. Yeah. You know, yeah. At least that project, good, they said, not a yeah, good omen. We're not going to do anything that, that, you know, glorifies your history and rise from, you know, I mean, I mean, five guy years in Philadelphia now they may to change, being a superstar. Yeah. Five years from now, they may change their mind, but they're going to put a halt on it for a while. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's not a good look for them to say, yeah, we're going to go give, you know, right. this, this guy a bunch of money to tell the story of his life, uh, you know, so. Anyway, you know. it's about lunchtime here, Todd. Yeah, yeah. I will end with saying everybody makes bad choices in their life at different times. Sometimes it's more public than others. So there's also yep. that, you know, it's not like yep. he has a history of assaulting people or saying crazy stuff, you know. Um, so this was, you know, have a little grace there as well. Um, yep. Forgiveness is important too. Don't excuse it, but understand that, you know, when you and I have a bad day, it's not in front of a million people, you know? <laughs> so, all right. So let's wrap this up. Thank you very much for listening and joining us today. Uh, we've got a few other podcasts that are available through the Shack Out Back Network. We suggest you check them out if you enjoyed this. Uh, Two for Brew and Two Minute Tech are available also on the uh, shackoutback.studio is the website. So you can check us out, and we'll be back again next week. Have a good one. Bye. Enjoyed it, Todd. Bye. Take care. You could tell I was there. The phone was ringing. <laughs> Not after I pushed the button. Yeah, true, <laughs> true. I was waiting for the feedback. Yeah. Well, and and truthfully, as we both know, anytime you pick up the phone, doesn't mean the connection actually is functioning. <laughs> That's right. Welcome to technology. You know, back in 1960, when the phone rang and you picked it up, it was working. <laughs> Well, now no, we're never quite sure. Well, about that time, you didn't pick up the phone. It was hanging on a wall. Well, yeah, but you had to pick up the handset from, you know. Uh, and that was if yeah, you had the, the fancy princess phone, right? The, the other phones were the the traditional phone that sat on a desk. No, I'm, yeah. I'm talking about the big old wooden box. That oh, that. Well, I said 1960s. In 1960s, that, they that, did not have a big old wooden box. Well, in the early 60s, when they started taking them out on the farm areas, uh, right around my graduation time when I got out of high school, started started late 50s, but I don't know if it was okay. still. I was born in 62. You know. <laughs> I know. were not in high school in the 60s. 
Well, I know I was at, I graduated in 58, but mm-hmm. I'm just saying that I, you know, went off to, that was high school. Right. I went off to college for a couple of years and the folks were still living on the farm. And that as long as they were there, that phone was there. I think they moved out in 63. Right. So that was the extent of it in those days. Probably not representative of most of the United States at that point in time, though. Oh, may not have been. Yeah. We were mm-hmm. not backwoods people because we didn't have that many trees out there, but out on the home on the range, you know. Right, yeah. <laughs> you know, pretty, fairly rural. Let's just say fairly rural and leave it. <laughs> hey, hey, we had a highway running right in front of our house. Uh-huh. Yeah. We had access. Right in front of, like, uh, a mile away? <laughs> no, no, no. The driveway was, you yeah. know, a block. Not even a block, city block. Yeah. It was half a block. It, it was uh, dangerously close because we all of our dog pets were attracted by the uh, trucks running by. Right. They'd eventually get out in front of, in the wrong place and yeah, get that's, crushed. That's a sad story. Yeah, that's a sad story. It was, yeah. happened too many times as, uh-huh. in my youth because we had, but but wasn't the, never took long and you had a replacement because those people in the cities that didn't want their pets always managed to drop them off at some farm house uh-huh. uh, somewhere somewhere down the highway. They never took them out in the country, you know, where they were safe. It would always to it was yeah. the families along the highway that had to deal with the stray dogs. Yeah. So. Anyway, such is life. <laughs> yeah, well, that explains a lot about you not having, you know, forming real uh, attachments and bonds to the pets when I was growing up. Because <laughs> you knew they were well, temporary, well, very temporary. Well, speci- specifically dogs. Cats yeah. didn't chase trucks, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cats were... Uh, Cats kept mice out of the barn. Furry little animals. It's, that, that, yeah, they would occasionally go out in the buildings out there, but the, they hung around the house for the uh, scraps of food that mom would bring out. You know, we never threw them in the garbage. We just gave them to the cats. Yeah. So. Cats anyway, how are you today? Not bad, not bad. It's good. Uh, so, uh, I, I didn't really do any de- in, a lot of in-depth look for articles to talk about today, but I did find a few. Yeah. Uh, I'm just uh, scrolling through, trying. seeing what else is there that we can talk about real quick. I got one. I'll copy it in there. Just we got a, out a new update, so I'll we'll talk about that briefly. Yeah, there we go. I loaded into my phone. I think I've still got to do my iPad. Yeah, I did my phone and my watch. I have not yet done. Uh, well, this morning I did uh, HomePod. So your HomePod is oh. a good update, and your Apple TV. So you know all that stuff runs a version of iOS. Or yeah, they call it something else, but you know it's. That's what it is. So, all right. All right. Well, you want to get rolling here? Sure. Not a whole lot else going on, I think. Um, all right. Give me a sec. 